0: I totally hear what you're saying, right? University is a rubber stamp factory. We could talk about this for another 11 hours, but but we said we were not gonna do a lot of old man rants about back in the day.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I wanna be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy?
0: And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for
1: Medical Dads. A special evening recording of Medical Dads.
0: Yes, if I fall asleep in the middle of the recording, people will know why. (laughs) I'm much sharper in the daytime.
1: Well, whatever it takes to get it done. That's the (laughs) the Medical Dads motto.
0: Now, the question I have for you today is, will this be on the exam, professor?
1: (laughs) Everything's on the exam. Everything could be on the exam.
0: (laughs) The exam of life. Yeah. So... Today, we're going to talk a little bit about tests and exams. We haven't talked about this before, specifically, I think.
1: No, we, we really haven't.
0: But it is one of the things that binds a, Stu and I together, because we're, we were both medical students together. And, you know, we, we had like, what, 80 people in our medical school class?
1: 90. 90. People, which was a small 90? class at the time.
0: No, 90. it was 80. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 80. But anyways, we're not going to count all the names <laughs> right now. After the recording, we will count them. But... The one thing, like, we had people from all over Canada, multiple ethnicities represented, uh, you know, multiple, you know, people who had been in Canada a long time, people who were newer to Canada, people who were interested in sports, people who were interested in music, people who read a lot of books, people who read a lot of comic books. Like, we had a lot of people in our class, a lot of personalities, but the one thing I think that we all had in common as medical students was we were all pretty good at taking tests. It was the one thing we all were on the same page about. I remember during our exams looking around the classroom and just, you know, there's no sound except pencils and <laughs> erasers. It wasn't like you when you were doing tests in high school, yeah. you know, where like some guys like raising his hand to go to the washroom and some someone is like, you know, sh- you know, not sure about the answer and like making a big scene. there was none of that everyone in medical school is good at one thing and that is taking
1: tests well certainly everybody in medical school had to pass the mcat right the mother of all (laughs) tests when you're preparing for medical school
0: true true but that's only the that's only the tip of the iceberg there's so many little tests that lead up to the mcat by the time you get the mcat
1: that's like probably what the eighty-six thousandth test you've done in your life although i will say i am good at taking tests I am not that great at taking exams, or at least I'm not a natural (laughs) at exams. What is
0: the difference between a test and an exam? I thought those were synonyms (laughs) last time I checked.
1: Uh, I mean, in school, they're not. Uh, A test would usually be a smaller version of an exam. So you might uh, progress through the year and have several tests throughout the year to uh, test your knowledge on a unit or on a portion of the course. Whereas Mm. an exam usually is testing you on either the entire course or half of the course. So, <laughs> so exactly. it's a bigger
0: deal. So you're saying as the stakes get higher, your performance suffers.
1: Well, certainly the way one prepares for an exam and the way one prepares for a test are really different. An exam, a test, you could go in there saying, like, I have learned everything. I'm prepared for everything that could show up on this test. And uh, and I've I, I've memorized everything that's going to be on the test. I've, I can visualize the page in the textbook in my mind where this is going to be whereas with exams the uh every what could potentially be on the exam is usually so wide that it's hard to go in there with every conceivable angle completely memorized well
0: it, that is true that is true if you're not studying on a regular basis
1: yeah for sure i guess the uh the thing with the test is you you learn what you need for the test you pass it or ace it and then you dump that knowledge whereas an exam <laughs> You have to keep this knowledge in your mind for the entire semester, or the entire year, or the entire course. You can't dump it at the midway point. Uh, so it is that is, I suppose, the difference in, in concept and preparation.
0: Right, right. So you're like Han Solo. You're always ready to jettison your g- smuggled goods at the at any moment because you need to travel light.
1: That's right. That's exactly. You never
0: know. You never know when those when the Empire is going to stumble
1: upon you floating around in outer space. But both of us have had to write for medical school and for and for residency and for our jobs we have both had to write some serious major exams uh things that would make the type of exams you, you do in university uh like seem like nothing right? <laughs> uh i mean for myself right i had to write the royal college of physicians and surgeons exam on pediatrics which mm. isn't just knowing everything i need to know for for a, one semester or even one year this is the entirety of your entire pediatrics four-year residency all distilled down to to this big high stakes exam where it's Correct. uh you either pass it or you are out Essentially,
0: <laughs> so th- that exam is quite difficult then from what you're saying
1: uh it's difficult yes in the sense that it's a Yeah, I guess in many different (laughs) aspects it's difficult. It's a large amount of stuff to learn, uh, and Mm. it's not just volume. It's actually difficult questions where people would have uh, examples of previous questions from other years that they're using to help prepare and help study, where the Royal College doesn't officially give you old exams. uh, Officially, that's not allowed or, or available. But the stories will circulate from year to year of like, okay, yeah, last year I wrote down after my exam all the questions I could remember and here's what they were. Uh, and when you're looking at the people's old questions they wrote down you're thinking ah they must have not remembered this question properly there must be something about the question that that's missing because none of the answers make sense so you sort of disregard that and then when you go and write the exam that question's looking right at you you're like that's exactly word for word what what the resident wrote down it still makes no sense (laughs) you have questions on this exam where uh you're going around and showing this to your staff, right? To the people who are training you saying, okay, yeah, well, what do you think is the answer for this? And different staff are giving you different answers. You know, these are multiple choice questions where there's four possibilities. And the respirologist is giving a different answer than the oncologist about what the answer should be. And, <sighs> you know, you've got a, a year, more than it. you've got four years to, to, to try to look, figure out what is the correct, right answer. And sometimes you're going to the exam still thinking, you know, I don't really know for sure what the answer is, but maybe when the question shows up this year, they'll modify it and it'll be, it'll make more sense. You're looking at that question on the exam, exactly what you couldn't figure out in two years, trying to figure out how am I going to determine what the right answer is now in, in two minutes when I don't know the right answer. after looking at this question for a year and a half. <laughs> so yeah, so, there's a big exam. It's a big exam. It's a
0: big, I cannot relate. The family medicine exam is not as intense at that, as that.
1: <laughs> no, I guess not. It's, it's, I'm sure it's, You must spend months preparing for it, right? You spend
0: a lot of time preparing for it, but it's actually not that crazy difficult. The family medicine exam, at least the version of it I took, had a difficult component to it, which was like, there was a live OSCE station component, right? Where you do five patient interviews with a mock patient and a person scoring the way you ask questions and whether you hit the key points. That's always much more difficult than like the actual written component, which was fairly straightforward if I remember correctly. It's just that that stage of your training, the exam's a lot of pressure. Because if you don't do well on it, conceivably, you know you have to write it again you might not be able to start practicing like a whole chain reaction of less than pleasant things could happen yeah that's actually worse than the actual exam itself
1: yeah yeah absolutely uh, especially for these exams that are right at the end of your training and you're supposed to start your job you know a month later or two months later mm-hmm. and if you don't pass the exam well now you got to figure out well can i even do i even have an income now what am i going to do so yeah so but but it's not just us you know i'm sure there are listeners who've 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 done a master's degree or, or a PhD. I remember the, for the PhD candidates, or wait, no, the master's students who were going on to do a PhD had to pass something called a comprehensive. This was something I remember from grad right. school. Yeah, that's, that's also a big, enormous exam that you spend months and months, if not more than a year potentially preparing for, that could cover almost anything in your discipline. And what makes it worse is that often in a certain lab, uh people will be saying yes yes it's a lot of work but we all know it's a lot of work so nobody fails it like yes yes i know you're going to be worried for months that you're going to fail it but but don't worry nobody fails it and it's always <laughs> nobody's failed it since that guy right and then everybody can remember like oh that's true like, like three years ago or five years ago or seven years ago there was that guy that failed it um, and that's the stress when you're doing it is you'll be the new, that guy that next year people are studying for that exam and they're saying, oh, don't, don't worry. Nobody fails. Nobody fails that exam except, you know, Stuart Harmon. <laughs> but I mean, obviously he was going to fail, right? <laughs> you don't want to be that guy.
0: So why do you have exams on the brain today? I was like, what should we talk about on medical dads? And this is the thing that popped up. So you have some big exam brewing that I don't know about?
1: Absolutely not. No, uh, I do not. (laughs) But I was thinking about this more from the point of view that this is supposed to be our parenting podcast where we talk about our children (laughs) as opposed to a podcast where these two old guys are complaining about all the problems in their own lives.
0: (laughs) I wasn't complaining. I said that we had... we just had that in common that's all
1: no no i i'm not criticizing what you just said i i'm just thinking about some of the podcasts in the past where i'll be saying okay today we're going to talk about books and the next thing i know i'm talking about my reading list of comic books or what other books i want to read
0: well this is not completely a parenting podcast it's also a parent podcast it just delves into
1: the life of the parent and the life of the modern parent and a little bit of medicine too true but what what prompted me to think of this topic when you were asking what should we talk about was actually this past week helping my, one of my daughters study for her dicté, which is uh, in French. She's in French immersion, so this is essentially the spelling test. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you have a weekly spelling test. In this case, they have I think ten words that they have to uh, that they have to spell, also translate, and uh, and explain what the words mean. Hmm. Uh, but I think almost everybody listening must be able to remember back to when they were in school and had to do these weekly spelling tests. Um, it
0: is true. But my question is, when do you what is the what is the youngest age you remember having to do a test? Was it grade one?
1: Uh, I no. I remember in kindergarten having to do these kindergarten. assignments. Yeah. You had tests in kindergarten? Yeah, yeah, we had tests in kindergarten, uh, and you did too. You just might not have realized you were being tested in that moment. Well,
0: even my kids, my kids don't have tests in kindergarten. Did your kid, did your four kids, have tests in kindergarten?
1: Uh, well, I think nowadays they're doing something called play-based learning. So who knows what's right. actually happening in that context? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: but definitely there were no tests in kindergarten for either of my kids. But in grade one, some tests started coming. Like my son came back with some uh spelling tests this year so he had to spell the word cat and the word the (laughs) right and so a lot of three-letter words it's kind of kind of neat to see that he was like entering entering the arena joining all the test takers in the world at an early age at the same time part of me wondered Is this absolutely necessary is this the only way for kids to learn is the to make them do this sort of rote
1: work at this age well that well that's one of the things we'll talk about today i guess is what is the purpose of tests which then helps to define what's your philosophy towards tests test taking and for your children um how seriously they should take tests but don't (laughs) you remember in kindergarten having to do something where you had a workbook and you had to for example uh draw a green circle under a table or, or that's called work you do work all the time but testing is a very specific thing
0: a testing is when nobody's helping you the teacher asks you to do something and then gives you a score based on it that then yeah, gets they sent home it. on your report card
1: yeah that's that's so i remember distinctly we had this thing in school where in kindergarten where there's a tape recorder and it's got multiple headphone jacks. And so all of us are hearing the same, I guess, recording at the same time. So I'm wearing headphones, much as I'm wearing right now as we record this podcast. And in front of me, I have a workbook with a bunch of different pictures in it. And the headphones are telling you things like, uh, put a circle around the draft that's bigger, or put a, uh, draw a picture under the table. And so uh, not understanding in kindergarten that there are stakes involved, because I'm not realizing that I'm being tested. How I knew that I was being tested in the end was my headphones weren't working. They weren't plugged in properly or there was something wrong with my headphones. So I'm sitting here with a workbook and I know I'm supposed to be doing something, but I can't hear what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, So I'm just guessing uh i'm just (laughs) circling things drawing circles underneath things i kind of look i
0: don't really understand this test that you have to take why did everyone need headphones to listen to the same audio thing at the same time why couldn't someone just read out the instructions at the front of the at the front of the classroom there seems like there's a design flaw to this examination
1: Uh, maybe not from the teacher's point of view right you got (laughs) five kids with their workbook uh taking this test while the teacher could be smoking in the bathroom but the way i remember it is we were all grouped at different tables so maybe depending on where they thought different students were at maybe we were doing mm. tests at different levels or right kind of something they like thought
0: that. you were you had superhuman hearing <laughs> and
1: put you at a particular table maybe this was just a test to see if you were smart enough to like react when your headphones weren't working and get that problem fixed but uh i, I took a more independent approach when this was happening so so, yeah, I'm sort of trying to peek around the dividers to see what on earth are people doing? What, what's the purpose of all this? And, uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, that guy circled a giraffe, so maybe I should circle a few things. Anyway, mm. uh, I remember afterwards, I've, the teachers collected all the workbooks, and then she calls me over afterwards, and she's showing me the workbook, and she's saying, Stuart, I know that you know how to do this. It says to circle like the the." the big giraffe uh, with a green crayon. Why on earth did you draw a square underneath the little giraffe? Like, that's not even <laughs> one of the things it's telling you to, to, to do. And so I'm saying, well, I couldn't hear, so I just was trying to guess at what I'm supposed to do. And her reaction was, well, why didn't you say something to me <laughs> instead of just doing this nonsense?
0: Not a big difference from how we approach some of our medical school tests now that you recount the story to that
1: level of detail.
0: <laughs> the panic guessing.
1: Do, do you remember the story of the guy from medical school who was the year ahead of us? Who, uh, The story, as I heard it relayed secondhand from him, was that he found himself in a situation where uh, there was a patient who was intubated, so a tube in their airway, and he had his hand on the tube. The story as it was related to me, gives no preamble as to how he ended up in that situation. Uh, and I took it that he didn't know how he ended up in that situation. He just found himself where he's got the hand on the person's uh, tube. And he was on a bed where everybody else had one hand on the corner of the bed uh, or the corner of the blanket that was on the bed. And somebody was counting down. Somebody had said, or counting up, they said on three. So so he comes into consciousness holding a, somebody's, tube that's securing their airway in his hand while somebody says, okay, on three, one, two, three, and he doesn't know what's supposed to happen on three. Now, (laughs) you and I with our perspective and and years of medical experience know that likely the situation on three, everybody was going to lift the patient from one bed to another. And his job was probably just to make sure that the airway stayed in place uh, during this transfer but uh, him as a as a, a third year medical student didn't know what was supposed to happen and didn't want to ask so on three he pulled out the tube
0: this this sounds like one of those medical school urban myths i don't believe this story for a second
1: well there's all kinds of these stories that you hear about you know i don't know the name of the guy involved but uh, the story is called fancy pants cuz it tells the story of how this guy is right. that. involved right? right that story i've heard that story like from people in different provinces, and it always happened to a friend of their friend. But this particular story happened to a guy that we could name in, our, in, in the upper year in if medical you school. Don't,
0: if you don't announce the name of the guy on the show right now, I will not believe this story.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is it okay to out this guy of the story? I'll give you his initials. It's been 20
0: years, man. You expect me to know the initials of a guy the year ahead of us in medical school.
1: <laughs> what kind of test is this? So even if I give you his name, you're not going to remember the guy. <laughs> His name was was Darab Schnurnab. Well, I know it's not, all right. I, I'm on to you. <laughs> but we digress.
0: <laughs> so, tests. So your daughter's doing tests. And how, how did she do on the test? She did okay? She,
1: she wrote the test today, so we don't know yet what the result is. But mm. it just sort of reminded me how there have been other weeks where she has this dictate to do, uh, this mm-hmm. this spelling test to do, and she didn't even mention it we didn't even think about it, and she was just left to her own devices to prepare for it. And then when I'm looking at the results, the the her score is just unsatisfactory, uh, unsatisfactory for me as a parent, thinking that like oh, you know, the teacher thinks that my child's not capable. Unsatisfactory for her because it's just not fun to have a, a, a something come back where the teacher's written B minus or C on it or something like that, right? Mm. Um, And so all around bad but i know that she's capable of doing this i know almost anybody is capable of doing this it's just a matter of how much effort and time do you want to put into it so for this week uh, i was really trying to get to be with her every every time every night i was home (laughs) to try to prepare for the test and then it was a little bit stressful this week because i was working monday or wednesday evening i was i knew i wasn't going to be home that evening because i was working the four to midnight shift um and so tuesday night I was practicing with her, realizing she's not ready yet. Uh, She needs, she she doesn't need to panic, but she needs to consistently work on this for the next few nights. But then I wasn't going to be there, and so, you know, for my wife to do it, it's not that she can't, but it's it's one other thing on her plate. So all this thinking about the the work that I'm putting the test leads you to then then why? Like, what's the (laughs) purpose? What are we what are we trying to get out of this?
0: Yeah, Uh, who's really being tested? It's you and your wife being tested, or your daughter's (laughs) being
1: tested? That's right.
0: I often wonder about that. (laughs) Yeah, why does it matter? In our house, we have a similar issue. Like my daughter, sometimes she does well in the tests. We don't pay much attention. But, you know, when when she hits some of these speed bumps along the road, and there's a big kerfuffle, right? Suddenly, everyone's on guard, right? We need to put much more effort into these testing performances. At the end of the day, sometimes I wonder would it be better if the parents just stayed out of it? Let the kid figure it out themselves. If they get shamed enough times with these C pluses, shouldn't they just see the light and then proceed forward and, you know, turn it on on their own volition? Or do we need to be there fanning the flames all the time?
1: I think that's oftentimes that's what the teachers would want the parents to believe. Uh, And what maybe even the teachers believe themselves is that, you know, uh, I don't want to see how well your child could do on the test when you uh, coach them all the way to the finish line. Mm. Uh, I want to know what is their actual like level of ability and, and, and level of skill. That's certainly, right. if your ch- child is doing poorly, this is the type of stuff that they're going to be telling you in the parent-teacher interview. They're <laughs> going to be making out that, you know, no, no, that's fine. Uh, you know, I don't want your child to be sad or discouraged because they... They have a C. That just tells me that that this is what they have that they can work on. Uh, But (laughs) at the end of the semester, the teacher is not necessarily of the mindset that every kid in my class. um, My goal is to have them all have an A or an A plus. For the teachers, it is sort of you know some people are C students and some people are A students. That's just the way life is. Uh, But of course, you and
0: I as the parents are the only ones who really care about the performance of the individual kid that way. You know.
1: And and what's the reason that we care? Is it because we just want the pride of uh, of the teacher? Congrat. Because when your kid is doing well, the teacher is ecstatic. She's beaming or he's beaming. <laughs> you go into parent teacher interviews and uh, you can tell. Oh yeah, they like it when uh, it's like when you play games with people, like a board game or anything else. You know, it doesn't mm. matter if you win or lose. You know, you're just playing it for fun. However, as long as you win. <laughs> yeah, when somebody's winning, you can tell they're 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 enjoying it, um, and so. For me i guess where i'm going with this is that i know that if the child is getting all these c's early on or d's or whatever um because they're not being coached or encouraged to put in that effort they're not being helped then they can quickly start to develop that mindset for themselves that uh, that's what i am i'm a c student this is only as good as i can do and then it mm-hmm. can start to become something where well you yeah, know there's some opportunities in life that aren't going to be for me because that's not my skill set that's uh, that's all i can right. do uh, when it's like, no, I, I as your parents know or believe in your potential and well, even the teachers can, you know,
0: that's a whole thing about uh, the modern way of how we think about children and their capabilities and adults and, and our capabilities is this whole business of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. You've heard about this, right?
1: You know, I've heard the term growth mindset used a ton and I use it at work all the time when I'm talking about my trainees, but I would love to hear somebody actually define for me what a growth mindset (laughs) truly is. Okay, just
0: so that you don't use it wrong in front of your trainees now that you are like a program director, all right? We got to bring you up to speed on like modern (laughs) educational stuff. So a fixed mindset is the idea that all of us have a fixed amount of capability in our brain, right? And that at most we scratch the surface of when we get to the limit of our fixed capability we can't go any further right so right. it might be saying like dr Harmon, you're a bright kid you can be a doctor but that's all you can be don't think about being an astronaut don't think about being prime minister your capability is to be a doctor right but yeah. sometimes it's more insidious than that right it's like well jim you're not a great student there's no way you're ever going to become a doctor you should just focus on you know being you know working in the kitchen or something right so in the olden yeah. days this kind of mindset was very pervasive and it led to it, it had a lot of weird offshoots right it it led to this idea like gender roles became very fixed because it was like women cannot do certain things only men can do it mm-hmm. and other things men shouldn't even bother trying to do because those are women tasks yeah right like,
1: like breastfeeding <laughs>
0: So in the modern context, we've kind of shifted it now. So there's this whole idea of called a growth mindset, which is saying that whatever it is that you know or whatever you think your capability is now, yeah. that's just a stage. And it, you should be able to, to learn more and go past that. And where the actual limit is, we don't really know as a human race. We think that none of us actually gets anywhere close to our potential. Yeah. Right. Because of things like Netflix and drugs and alcohol and, and stuff like that. Yeah. All of us are only using such a small percentage of our brain's capability that we should all embrace the growth mindset. If there's anything that you see that you think you're not good at, it's not because I'm just not good at that or I was born that way. It's because you haven't been exposed to it, you haven't had the proper training, you haven't spent the hours needed. And if you did do those things, you would get better. Right. And I feel like in the and there's been a lot of writing about this. Actually, I've talked about this with some of my other friends on some of my other podcasts that I've done. It's a fascinating topic. I think that's actually the way all children should be brought up in this day and age. And I feel like testing is a dangerous thing because of this, because if you don't do well, exactly like what you said, don't do well in a bunch of tests early on or you don't do well in school early on. You might get it in your head that maybe I'm just not a good student, mm-hmm. right? And at some point that becomes part of your identity. So the worst part of all of these things is when a when a person, whether it's a child or an adult, embraces this as becoming part of their core identity, which is, oh, I'm not good at math. Oh, I shouldn't... I'm not a good student. I need to find something else to do, right? Or I can't play this sport. I'm not going to be good at it. Where what they should be thinking is, okay, I want to get better at this thing. I'm not that good right now. How do I get better? What are the things I can do to get better? And pretty much all the time, there are things you can do to get better. I I think we've talked about... I've talked this story about at other points in my life, but um, where I really discovered this was... I thought I was an okay shooter at basketball like I I was you know I'm always pretty able to like make long-distance shots on the basketball court but I haven't practiced it too much you know other than you know just show up at the gym practice some shots most of the actual practice I did was as a kid on the driveway Mm -hmm. so I had this idea that was very fixed that you know this is my capability in basketball I'm not gonna get any better and as I got older and older I was like well I'm getting older I'm not gonna get any better I'm just gonna play in some games for fun, but this is the ceiling of what I can do. And then there was like a year where I started practicing with a couple guys. They rented a gym. We went like every week for like two or three months. And because when we went to the gym, one of the guys had basketball experience, he said, Okay, you do these drills. You take 50 shots in a row from the corner. And then week by week, as I did these drills, I could see that the numbers started going up. I was making like 15 out of 50. Then it was being 24 out of 50, 35 out of 50. I was like, Wait a minute. I'm like 35 years old. I can improve at basketball. I'm like a 5 foot 4 Chinese guy. I can improve. Like I I busted through the ceiling that I had created for myself. Okay. Right? Which taught me that if I can break through that ceiling, we can all break through pretty much every ceiling cuz that for me that ceiling was really thick, you yeah. know? Every time I turn on a television and watch basketball other than that five minutes when Jeremy Lin was in the NBA I don't see anybody else that looks like me out there right so that ceiling just gets thicker and thicker every time I play and I broke it
1: even when Jeremy Lin was in the NBA I don't think you were seeing anybody out there on the court who looks like you
0: (laughs) no man (laughs) but having said all that growth mindset fantastic we need to find ways to nurture our kids to think this way i'm a big believer in this so for everything like my kids they're like you know they especially with this young age they're like i don't want to do this activity i'm like no no you do it and we'll try to get better whether you like it or not it's not even that important to me yeah. all of these things are just designed to show that you can get better at this if we work on it and someday if i i'm thinking if i drill this mindset in enough then you'll be able to use it in some way that we haven't seen yet we, we can't anticipate
1: you know, if the whole, if everybody truly had a growth mindset, if every individual had a growth mindset and the concept or desire of, I actually want to continue to reach my maximum or, or, or keep pushing Mm -hmm. myself to, to another level every time, then we, you wouldn't really need tests in school the way we, the way we have them. People would be, would be working as hard as they can, trying to learn as much, and then they would be self-motivated to want to get a test themselves. Like they would they would be asking you give me a test I can write at home uh, so I can practice and see if I'm if I'm ready. There would be no need to worry about cheating on the test because I'm only doing it for myself to figure out where I'm at. The whole purpose of a true? test
0: is to gauge where I don't feel like we really need tests. I feel like at the highest level you can just get better at stuff just because, right? Like I can get better and better at basketball without needing to play an actual. You know competitive games necessarily to show it i can feel that i'm improving
1: isn't that something in of itself well i, I think you always need some way to assess where you're at uh, so in that sense you probably do always need tests in the in the in the broad sense of testing yourself so like yourself you, when you're practicing your shooting um you have to sort of say, okay, how many sh- how many shots can I make out of fifty? But to know. But at the
0: highest level, at the highest level, right? Like certainly when we're going through our training, yeah. There's a lot of hoops you got to jump through. Like for you to become a physician, you had to jump through hoops, and then once you became a resident, you had to jump through more hoops, and blah blah blah. But eventually, at the highest level, there is no more tests. There's nobody that's there to test you. Once you've gotten your PhD and you start researching, you're just working. And how come there's no test at that point, right? That I I don't feel like. You, like, you're a doctor. Nobody's testing you anymore. I know nobody's testing you. <laughs>
1: but the uh, the individual needs to test themselves to gauge where wh- what they need to Correct. work on.
0: Correct. Yeah. You're testing yourself. You're having yeah. some self Awareness and self-evaluation process, but you don't need a teacher hovering over you giving a giving you a number. But that, that's what I mean. That's what I
1: mean when I say we all need tests in the general sense of like some way to test yourself. Okay. But the okay. idea so it's not of not a
0: formal test.
1: Yeah, as opposed to the the test or the exam that you get at school and that type of thing. Um, right. I'm saying we wouldn't need those type of tests anymore if everybody had a growth mindset because people would uh the teacher wouldn't have to give you a test you'd already be seeking your own ways to test where you're at focus on your what needs to you need to work on improve it and then test yourself again to see what what else can i do better or what exactly exactly
0: but we don't do that i guess i guess no i guess our society needs ways also to put people into categories for whatever that's worth and it's probably mostly
1: a bad thing but tests are their way of doing that well certainly for children and for school because there is a teacher who's supposed to be teaching them things, the teacher does need a way to assess where the student is at, um, to know, okay, is that, uh, you know, is, have you learned the material that you're supposed to learn? I think mm-hmm. the problem for students, in a lot of ways, is that you get a test, and truly, if you get that test and you get a C on that test, the the, the response is not then, okay, so the test has shown that you know, a, you're at a C level, which means, you know, essentially, you know. 60% of the topic. So uh, the course is complete when you've learned 100% of the topic. So because you got a C, no big deal, but now we're going to keep teaching you that and retesting until we could demonstrate that you're at 100% and then you're done. Uh, instead, what happens is the, the course lasts one semester or one year and a, you get a few tests along the way. And at the end, you get a final test and a final grade. And then that's what you're just, uh, all right, you're, you got a C. That's what you are. You're a C. And uh, you pass and you can progress to the next thing. Uh, you can go to grade four uh, with all c's in grade three uh, right. and you're just a grade four c student
0: you're, you're describing my experience in second year organic chemistry in a nutshell yeah right <laughs> i was sitting in the class and the beginning of the class it wasn't super complicated i was keeping up to date so i was on the ball i think i got an a on the first exam it was easy it was about the nomenclature of like basic organic structures you get into the second exam it's like not really paying super close attention, right? There were like a couple girls in the class I was trying to get to know. <laughs> next thing you know, like I show up in class, I'm like I didn't pay attention yesterday, so now today the chemical reactions are with these, you know, these these uh structures that I don't really recognize. Yeah. Okay. Then next week, like this, just compounding the problem, right? <laughs> so if you don't, it's really one of those classes where you can't just break it into chunks and master a few of the chunks. It's really Progress progressive, right? So that's what basic learning is like you really need to have the foundation, right? Or else the later part gets becomes impossible almost as I found out in organic chemistry But what you're describing is a common phenomenon if the child if the child is struggling now with the basic spelling test Well, it's gonna be harder and harder to do French next
1: year. That's right. There's a big difference between the educational philosophy of uh, University and uh, high school elementary school. So Mm. Uh, my, my wife being a teacher i've got some insight in how all this stuff works in addition to just have my kids in it but the idea nowadays mm-hmm. with school is as opposed to you got a hundred percent or eighty percent or or whatnot on your report card and instead of a b and c that the idea that they're trying to get across is uh we've taught this course and the goal is that people reach uh, say a level three Right? A level three means that you've met what we were trying to teach you. You've met the requirement of what you need for mm-hmm. this course. Uh, if you're right. at a level one, then you really aren't there. If you're at a level two, um, that might be enough to say, okay, you've met the bare minimum, but you haven't really met what we're trying to achieve. And then a level four means that you've actually gone beyond what we, what we think you need. So right. as opposed to you or I who might have grown up with the idea that, well, the idea is you need an A or an A plus. That's the. That means that you've reached what we want, uh, and anything less than that is is, is is not good enough. This idea is like no, no. It's it's just the the intention is that people get a level three, um, and in fact, we might be quite satisfied if nobody in the class makes it to level four. In in a, from a certain point of view, because level four is just that you've gone above and beyond. Uh, I'm maybe not explaining it perfectly, but uh, that's the idea. Uh, in, a, in a broadly speaking, is that. Um, Um, not everybody is expected to make it to level four and that's fine Uh, you could make a level three out of four and be considered to be quite successful in in passing that course and you're not supposed to feel bad about yourself then you go to university and when you go to university i always found it a little bit frustrating that i'm paying out of pocket myself as the student because i want to learn something at least Conceptually, that's supposed to be what's happening. Is I'm I'm going. To, I want to learn organic chemistry, and I want to learn mm. all of organic chemistry. I don't want to learn 50% of this organic chemistry course, but they do a what at the time seemed like a not a very good job of teaching you, right? For the most mm-hmm. part, they give you a textbook, or at least back in our day, they gave you a textbook, which you got to do a lot of the reading and learning on your own. And then you go to these lectures that may or may not be of good quality uh, from somebody who's not specifically trained uh, in teaching, right? These are people who usually have other jobs. They're researchers, and as an academic requirement, they have to get these courses. But the frustrating part was at the end is what it felt at the time, like I was trying my hardest. Uh, I felt like I was digging deep and doing everything I could in the time that I had to learn organic chemistry as an example. But at the end of the course, if... If they give me this test and it shows that I uh, have a, a, a D or a C, uh, so I've I've learned fifty or sixty percent of the material, there's no refund. There's no them saying, okay, yeah, you paid for us to teach you the whole thing and we haven't yet, so don't worry, we'll keep going until you've learned it. Uh, <laughs> they're very satisfied to be like, here's a test, you got a D, we don't care. Uh, you should have worked harder. That's that's your final result.
0: I think what you're paying for is the opportunity. To potentially get an A.
1: Well, see, philosophically, what you're paying for is the education and and spiritually, this is whatever everybody wants to believe that you're there to learn the material. But you are not, at least in our time, you are not right. What you are paying for is to have some stuff on paper that is the prerequisites to get you what your goals are in life. So if you want to go into medical school, <laughs> you have to have you have to have an undergraduate degree,
0: right? I 100% understand what you're saying. I. Uh, my friend and I did a, po- a whole series of podcasts, a whole 10-part or 11-part series about what is wrong with education. I encourage people to look me up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify under W5H Book Club, and you will find a whole discussion about this. I totally hear what you're saying, right? University is a rubber stamp factory. We could talk about this for another 11 hours, but, <laughs> but we said we were not going to do a lot of old man rants about back in the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mission failed <laughs> so do
0: you have any good stories about your own journey with exams like any any nice like traumatic experiences that we could share with the audience?
1: Oh gosh stories about about exams going poorly well we were doing a standardized patient exam what they call an OSCE. so you go in and there's an actor pretending to be somebody and you're uh, and then you're trying to treat them but in this case it was an elderly woman who is Uh, depressed Um, and she's been taken to an old folks home and while she's telling me her story because you're supposed to figure out she's depressed and you're supposed to figure out I guess how to address it as she's telling me the story she's talking about how they made her move into this old folks home where she doesn't know anybody and they wouldn't allow her to bring her dog and she's she the actual patient was such an actress that she started crying with real tears Real tears are flowing from faces. She's talking about how she's <laughs> separated from her dog, and she's. I remember this story. Yeah. This is the greatest story, everybody. You well, have to hear him tell the story. I don't know if it's that great, but in the exam, so there's the standardized patient, there's the examiner, and everybody's acting serious, right? It's it's it's, it's scary for you as the as the person being examined because everyone's treating this like it's so real, uh, and I had no idea what to actually do with this with this crying elderly woman like. In an exam, just as in real life, I don't really know what to do when women are crying in front of me. Uh, So anyway, uh, I just say to the woman as a a distraction, well, uh, 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 what was your dog's name? But I guess when they gave her her script for the story, they didn't actually name the dog. So she stops crying for a second. She looks at me and she just says, well, I just called him Dog. Dog. And then everybody starts like, she starts losing it now. She's laughing. The instructor's laughing. Nobody can concentrate anymore. This dog that she was so devastated about losing, she hadn't taken the time to name. The best part, though, is that when I talked to other people about that afterwards, the people who uh, went to the station following me, the woman told them up front that the dog's name was Fifi. So she, she <laughs> named the dog immediately afterwards.
0: Oh, man. I love that story. I've heard it many times, I've retold it many times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it gets better every time, oh. But uh, let's tie it all back to to our kids, right? That original <laughs> question of so here's my daughter, and I'm I'm training her so hard over the week to uh, to do well on this spelling test. And the question is now the audience may be wondering, oh, so is Dr. Harmon saying that this is what we have to do with our kids for every test, all the time, and and why? Why? Why, why are we putting so much effort into this? I think it's a personal choice how much you're going to ride your kids to do well in exams and tests. But here's what my take is on for my daughter. I don't want to be in a situation where for her whole life, every test she writes, she's only doing well because I am there pushing her and riding her to do well in the test. But Mm -hmm. my belief on this is that after, and from what I've seen from my other kids as well, uh, a test was done and it didn't go well. And instead of telling them how, you know, but you're still a great person and everything's great. I tell them, ah, you know what? I, I, I'm glad that you did as well as you did, I suppose, but you know what? This is not good enough, actually. Like this, we do better than this uh, on the test that you've done. Just as a family, this is uh, not really uh, <laughs> acceptable. Uh, uh, however, when the next test comes, we're gonna figure out what, what, why didn't we do as well as we know we can do uh, on this test? Because I know you are an A student. And I've said that to all my kids <laughs> from the day they were old enough to understand. I was always telling them that they're like A students, A plus students, whether they are or not, so that they believe that they are. Anyhow, uh, so they do poorly on this test. Now, this this next dictate, this next spelling test, I'm working hard with her, getting her to, to practice, practice, practice. When she comes back, when she writes that test, she will she will definitely do better than she did the first time. And the likelihood is that she's gonna do well enough that she comes home feeling proud of how she done that test, having pride in that test. And mm-hmm. I think the take home from her on that really is gonna be that before this was something that when I tried to do it, I, I was not good at it. I wasn't doing well. And we put in all this effort and the, and the, and the effort wasn't fun at the time we were doing it, but we put this effort and now I do do well, or I did do well when I did the exact same task. Mm-hmm. Um, going forward from that, If she doesn't do well on the next few spelling tests because I don't work on it or with it, she knows that the reason she didn't do well on it is because this time she didn't spend the time. And she knows it's not because she just can't do it. Uh, And hopefully, as she starts to find meaning and reason to understand why she wants to do well on tests, at least she'll know that, yeah, I can do it. Um, It's just a matter of how much work I put into it. That's what she'll have learned. Absolutely. That's the
0: growth mindset way to go as a parent if you were managed to pull that off
1: yeah i've seen it work with my other kids in other similar type circumstances
0: actually one thing we have to acknowledge is that doing poorly on the test is actually not a bad thing it actually shows you what you don't know and it shows you that you need to know get to work yeah. right like we complain about some of these old test stories but actually doing poorly afterwards you don't re- forget that anymore right That's
1: it, right and it puts you in your place. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you need that in life.
1: There, there, I can tell you I've seen it happen where you've got a kid who who they naturally do well at some things. And so without you working on them, they come home and they ace uh, they ace mm-hmm. tests or they ace certain tests and that's what they get used to. And it actually could be quite challenging for those kids when something comes up. That's now a challenge. That's like, OK, to ace this, you got to work really hard. And for them, their mm-hmm. attitude is if it didn't come easy to me. I completely. I can't cope with that. I don't want right. to do that. That's too stressful for me. Uh, I I will only focus on things that I'm already good at. That is mm-hmm. a. It's it's easier to take someone who didn't do well and that was their reality and and work them up sometimes than it is to teach the other way.
0: Right. Right. And that gets into the whole fixed mindset, right? You just feel like some things come easy and those are the things you should be doing. I think that at the end of all this, we just have to learn to find not find joy in failure, but appreciate failure when it happens, because those are the real learning opportunities in life.
1: Yeah. And so how did we score on this podcast? How do we score on the test of of this podcast?
0: I don't know. Kind of weak, man. These nighttime recordings (laughs) don't do it for me.
1: (laughs) I totally know what you mean. But even if we got an F, we've got a growth mindset. So that's good. We can learn from this failure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I had another story I was going to share, but I'm going to save it for next time because it doesn't fit exams exactly. Okay. But uh, <laughs> All right. All Keep right. the audience on their toes. I actually had a lot of other things I wanted to ask about, but we might have to, we might have to do a continuation about this someday. Yeah. I wanted to talk about competitions. They're not exactly tests, right. but they're almost like voluntary tests that yes. Chinese-Canadian parents like to sign their kids up for. You know, like piano exams, piano recitals. Yeah. Like there's all these sort of things you can sign up for. But we will talk about this on the next episode of Medical Dads.
1: Okay, next episode, competition. i talk about competition.
0: <laughs> all right. Have a good week, folks.
1: See you in a week.